When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Optimal Living Daily, Episode 70, How a Beggar in Granada Uses Data to Optimize Donations by Ramit Sethi of IWillTeachYouToBeRich.com. Get ready to maximize your potential with Optimal Living Daily, the podcast that brings you the best in personal development and productivity every day of the week. Your optimal life awaits. Now here's your host, Justin Mollick. What's going on, old friends? Welcome to Optimal Living Daily, or OLD, where I hunt down amazing blogs and get permission to read them to you. Like today's author, Ramit Sethi, who I first read on the show last week. If you want to learn more about him, you can check out episode 63 or visit his site, IWillTeachYouToBeRich.com, where he really does. There are a ton of really good blog posts there, including the one I am reading to you today. But before I jump into it, this podcast is ad-free and sponsorless at the moment. So if you'd like to give this podcast a little push to keep it going, you can do two things to show your support. And the first is totally free. That is to simply sign up for my weekly newsletter where I give away a book at least once a month, if not more. I actually gave away two books this month from two different authors that I read here on the show. So if you want to be in on that, you can join my mailing list for free and by texting the word OPTIMAL to 44222. Or if you don't like texting, you can join through my site, oldpodcast.com. And that's where you can do the second thing to support this show, and that is to contribute any amount you like to help cover the costs. But no matter what you do, I'll still appreciate you. And with that, let's jump right in and start optimizing your life. How a Beggar in Granada Uses Data to Optimize Donations by Ramit Sethi of I'llTeachYouToBeRich.com Quote, The country demands bold, persistent experimentation. Franklin D. Roosevelt, 1932. In 2005, I visited the Caribbean island of Granada. My sister, who was living there at the time, took me shopping in the local bazaar where my sister pointed out a young boy who was about eight years old. He carried a notepad with him. He was a beggar, but no ordinary one. Every day, he would vary a small element of his presentation, his clothing, his grammar, his request style, and measure exactly which one produced the largest tips from shoppers. This little boy was one of the most sophisticated amateur social psychologists I've ever seen. The key was incremental improvement every day through data. He had hunches that he subjected to testing, not hand-waving. This is one key differentiator that, I believe, allows people to be an entrepreneur, by which I mean having a disproportionate impact that's larger than the average person. Instead of just going on gut, they make lots of small incremental improvements, measuring each one along the way. Doesn't this sound familiar? How data relates to personal finance and entrepreneurship. The obvious way data relates to personal finance is with a budget. Create one and you'll see surprising results you never expected. E.g., when I did, I discovered I was spending 70% of my money on food. When it comes to entrepreneurship, data takes an even more important role. The very best entrepreneurs I know have hunches, like everyone else, but where they excel is in testing those and relying on the data rather than their ideas. How many meetings have you been in where someone said, that button should be red? 
I've sat in those at other companies and wanted to take a Komodo dragon, swallow it as much as possible, and let it casually dine on my entrails as the meeting continued so I could be let out in my misery. Lots of people argue and debate minutia like this for hours. But the simplest way to do it is to test it by putting up an A-B test and seeing which one produces the best results. This is on my mind right now because we're in the middle of some detailed experiments at PBWiki, which are producing double and even triple digit surprises in terms of conversions, signups, and engagement levels. In other words, by tweaking a few things, we can see huge results. Do we waste one third of our life doing things that don't produce results? Anyway, I've had this nagging feeling lately that about a third of the things we do don't produce any results. In other words, even if we didn't do them, nothing would seriously change. Following that logic, maybe a third of the things we do sort of matter and a third are critical, e.g. getting enough to eat, to pay rent, and to be physically and emotionally healthy. I don't know if I'm right or wrong, but I've started tracking my time to see exactly what matters. It's just like tracking my spending. It's hard and boring, but has already given me something surprising to think about. So with my one-third experiment underway, here are 10 examples that highlight the experimental approach. Number one. Generic champagne tastes better than many expensive champagnes, a blind test revealed. The literature on blind tests of wine and Coke are legendary. If you think you can taste a difference, you probably can't, and I would take that bet with anyone. Number two, Geektronica wondered if he was saving money using Netflix instead of his local video store. Number three, Aaron Schwartz, a tech entrepreneur, writes about Seth Roberts, who exhaustively tested his theory for a new diet on himself. Instead of just hoping to lose weight, what if you kept detailed records of what you did, how you felt, and the results? Number four, Dr. Susan Blackmore writes a gut-wrenchingly honest account of why she's given up her life's work of chasing paranormal activity. The short version, she went with the data. Number five, Rob constructed a test to see how to slow down speeding cars in his neighborhood. Number six, UPS, one of the kings of data analysis, instructs drivers how to insert their keys into the ignition, put on their seatbelts, and get to their routes in the most efficient way possible. Number seven, investors do better with fewer choices, something Barry Schwartz also writes about in The Paradox of Choice. Number eight, according to their time diary analysis, only 26% of Americans in 1994 went to church weekly, although the Gallup poll for the same period reported the figure at 42%. Number nine, Consumers often say they want to be socially responsible when it comes to buying food, clothing, office supplies, and the like. But consumers' noble sentiments are not often reflected in their actions at the checkout. Number 10. Finance professors think they can beat the market, even though that's clearly irrational. A friend of mine works at a very large finance company that you have definitely heard of, and they conducted an internal study that showed their fancy pants portfolio managers allocated their personal assets no better than the average investor. Number 11, do Jim Cramer's recommendations produce results better than chance? No. If you're curious to read more, see my links on expertise, research, and data, and if you're a big nerd, my optimization links. How does this apply to you? Over two years ago, I wrote a post called 10 Things About Yourself That Would Surprise You. In it, I asked what would happen if you started tracking certain things in your life like how much money you spend and how often you call your friends. What would happen if you tried it today? You just listened to the post titled How a Beggar in Granada Uses Data to Optimize Donations by Ramit Sethi of I'llTeachYouToBeRich.com. So I picked this post because I love the nerdy data tracking stuff he talks about. 
And if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you'll know that I track every single penny in and out of my life with a spreadsheet, which by the way, you can get for free with a video tutorial to go along with it if you join my free weekly newsletter. But anyway, I also track everything I do every day, and that includes a column for mood on a scale of one to 10. The low numbers are pretty obvious, like if I had a really anxious day or I was sick with a cold or the flu or something, or if I'm in pain, physical or emotional. But I found my highest days to be somewhat surprising. They were almost always associated with spending time with friends. Now this might come across as obvious to some, but for me it was a real surprise because I'm an extreme introvert, the most severe form when I took the Myers-Briggs personality test and I spent as much time as possible alone. So seeing that my highest mood days are the ones where I spent time with friends was pretty crazy. Now that doesn't mean I should spend every day with my friends because as an introvert I'll go nuts, but it showed me that I should make an effort to increase that, at least until it starts taking a toll on me. So yeah, I love tracking things like that, and I think it can really have a huge impact on your life if you review it. And like I mentioned, I give you my automated spreadsheet for tracking income and expenses if you join my free weekly newsletter. So to get that and other free stuff, text OPTIMAL to 44222 to join, or visit oldpodcast.com and you can join from there. And that's episode 70. Dang, so many episodes so quickly. Anyway, I'll see you tomorrow where your optimal life awaits. You've been listening to Optimal Living Daily. Be sure to hit the subscribe button to stay up to date on each new episode and head to oldpodcast.com. That's oldpodcast.com for a free gift as well as more actionable tips and resources to help you maximize your potential. Thanks for joining us. And remember, your optimal life awaits. Yeah.